Hi, I'm Richard Mack, and this is MYB Cast Conversations with Interesting People Who Are Breaking Barriers and Forging the Way for New Medicine. Are you looking for health, for healing, for vitality? Join us at MYB Cast to meet people who are leaders in their field and learn to turn your life around to be the best you can be. Our host, Madalena, and I are going to be talking with Father Anthony Rendazzo, who is the pastor of the Holy Trinity Church, Roman Catholic Church, in Westfield, New Jersey. Welcome. to the Thank Empire. you, Rick. Thank you, Madalena. Pleasure to be here. Okay. Since we have the advantage of having this holy person, would you start us off with a prayer? Would you be open to that, Anthony? Yes. Oh, yeah. That would be so awesome. Let us pray. O compassionate God, all of us throughout the world recognize this moment of history as a suffering moment for all. We ask that your compassionate presence be experienced in multiple ways that give healing and hope to all people of all cultures everywhere. For those who are Christian on this Palm Sunday, help us to understand ever more deeply why it is called also Passion Sunday. Bless this time that we share in conversation. May we always be people who converse with one another and converse with divine presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, thank you for being here. And we, you, you and I spoke, oh my goodness, it feels like a million years ago now, but I guess it was just the beginning of March. Um, and there were lots of topics that were interesting you at that time. And since then, I've done a fair bit of research in order to get myself up to speed on some of the things that are interesting to you. And then we had this unexpected pandemic hit. So I hope that we'll be able to weave some of those previous interests into our conversation. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of relevance there. I think that there is. Rick and I spoke about a few of the people that you're following, things that are of interest to you. Um, and there's definitely relevant messages um, but before we get into that heady stuff, I, uh, how are how is your parish doing through this time? How are you experiencing this as a pastor um, with a flock and the the changes that you've had to make to reach out to your congregants? How, how is the, what's how's the world over there for you? Well, before I answer that very gracious question, Madalena, I just want to point out that I'm coming to this uh, wonderful experience with uh, some considerable amount of prayer. 
some years ago during his lifetime, Scott Peck said that to say anything of value or truth about any experience, you need at least two hours of silent reflection. Today on this Sunday, I've spent almost two hours in silence. Thus, when I answer the question about how this parish is doing, it seems to me that because we have a wonderful staff here of good collaborating people with gracious hearts who truly are ministers of Christ that are staying healthy, we're going by all the regulations that come out of state and church, that thanks be to God, as of this moment, we are moving along. The community, we've started a phone-a-thon to reach out to people. We're reaching out in every conceivable way to the community, and they are responding. We are doing the virtual Eucharist. We are doing other means of video ministry. Thus, at this time, and I repeat those words, it seems to me that we are okay and that we are engaging different initiatives during this Holy Week. People are incredibly cooperative, and the community in their generosity is there. So I'm at peace as pastor. But maybe that's after two hours of prayer. That also could be the case. (laughs) Highly likely. I would like to ask a question. Um, As a leader of a flock, as a, a pastor of a Roman Catholic community, one of the big elements of this whole uh, experience that we're going through right now, and it is an experience, it's a learning period, and we only learn through adverse times primarily. Um, What do you see the role of people like yourselves, spiritual leaders, in helping people find a groundedness in their own self of spirituality and I'll use the word spirituality, not religion, spirituality, and helping them ground into their own higher self? That's a great question, Rick, but I think it, it is centered on trust. I think that spiritual leaders at first have to be trusted people. They have to be credible. They have to be people who recognize the spiritual journey, not only of the Roman Catholic but the spiritual journey of all people. In order to be an effective spiritual leader, you need to recognize that we are personal souls and we are a universal soul together in God's presence. So in that respect, to ground people, one of the things I've been trying to do in conversations and in listening to people, because it's always a two-way street in ministry, it's careful, diligent, compassionate listening. In that listening, and as I respond, my hope is to give hope. I want to present hope to people during this time. I want to give them some of the repository of hope that comes from the sacred writings in the Hebrew and Christian scriptures, that humankind has faced adversity on a large level at other times in history, and we have inspired texts that give us hope, that give us a sense of God's divine care during this time. So the role of a spiritual leader 
is to collaborate with other spiritual leaders to somehow help everyone recognize they are grounded in the divine ambiance. So, hold on for Just one ask second. Anthony. Just yeah. ask him. So, um, Anthony, uh, Father Anthony, you uh, had hosted a gathering a couple of months ago where you had invited various spiritual leaders to come together and talk on the topic of hope. Um, I, I was sitting at that, that uh, conference that you put together where you had a, a Muslim leader, you had a um, a Hindu leader. You had a Buddhist, Buddhist leader, a, a Jewish leader, and a Roman Catholic leader. And you asked them a question, and I believe that question was, "How are you receiving hope? How are you receiving from hope your faith? from your faith?" That was great. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because that was a very moving, moving experience. For me, and I think it plays very nicely into what you just described. Yes, so Rick, that uh, conference was hosted by the House of Prayer in Watchung, New Jersey, the wonderful sisters who coordinate many programs. That particular program was an interfaith, interspiritual program. And ultimately, one of the points that I learned from that, particularly from the Buddhist person, was uh, on this whole focus on the meditation, that in their meditation, that that always became a source of hope giving. And to me, that is the universal, that in our respective spiritual and religious traditions, that however we go into the quiet place, however we draw silence in, however we use these spiritual practices, it somehow engenders hope in a way that's a meaningful not only for the people of that particular tradition but of all the traditions you know if i when i remember back one of those uh, panelists was a young man of the muslim faith and i think all of us were very impressed by him and one of the things that i came away from that listening to him was that he was fervent as a young Muslim man, but he was he was centered. He understood the values of his faith. He understood uh, some of the negative prejudice and bias against his faith, but he was grounded in the practice of the healthy dimensions of Islamic identity and praxis. Thus, for me, it's it's so important to align with the healthy dimensions of religious and spiritual traditions. That's something that I've always really appreciated about you and the way that you approach your spirituality as a, as a, a shepherd of, of people. You've reached out openly to all denominations, your relationships in the Jewish community, your relationships in the yoga community. Um, you know, you're a, a unique spiritual leader, and um, I want to I want to acknowledge that because I think that you bring to the table a sense that look, we're all here on the spinning planet, and we're all here for one purpose, and that one purpose is to know ourselves and to grow to a place of common awareness that we can progress.
I meant to that statement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anthony, there's never been a question in my mind about your uh, your faith. I would say that you are very rooted in what seems to me, I don't know if you would call it the same thing, but it seems to me to be a Christ consciousness. Yes. And, and, and you and I met through yoga. Um, I wonder if you make a distinction between religion and spirituality. And if you do, can you talk about that a little bit? In the, those two terms, religion and spirituality, both engage relationship. Relationship is vital to healthy religion. Relationship is vital to healthy spirituality. The common word uniting both is healthy. And why do I say healthy? Healthy means that in healthy religion, you are cultivating your deeper identity, your identity in your spiritual grounded personhood, but at the same time in community, in relationship. As a pastoral leader, we're always trying to bring people together, cultivate friendship, cultivate people getting to know one another. So religion and spirituality are to be mutually inseminating one another. They're not to be split apart. They have been split apart because of the negative aspects that have come with organized religion. Ultimately, however, the fusion of both is essential, that we take the best in religious spirituality, religious mysticism, and we draw it to our spiritual identities. As we know many people who've been on the yogic journey, they had a faith of their childhood tradition. And what we tried to do was to draw out the better aspects of that traditional faith into something that has really churned spiritual practice in people's lives, the practice of yoga. Non-religious, eclectic, able to connect in healthy ways to religious tradition. So for me, the distinction between religion and spirituality are based in how we interpret their values for human growth. Our religion can either help you to grow or help you to remain immature. Even so-called spiritualities can either help you to get into a, a certain degree of narcissism or help you to get other-centered. We're trying our best in these days to draw both together so that one is not competing with the other, but in a mutual enriching harmony for both. The best of spirituality is the best of religious faith wedded together. And the word religion has R-E-L, the first three words of relationship, right? Correct. Correct. And it's those relationships enduring this pandemic time or period of history 
And as I said to our neighbors, this temporary period of history, these relationships in spiritual communities, perhaps a yoga community, or the community that we have here at Holy Trinity, these connections, these relationships are very important to sustain people through these times. It's good for a person to say, I belong to Holy Trinity, or I belong to this yoga studio. They need to have a sense of belonging through this pandemic period. You align yourself closely with Pope Francis. I recall when uh, he stepped up into that pompative role that you were extremely excited. And you shared with me the fact that he is a true believer in the Christ consciousness. Yes. I was so touched by that. Could you talk a little bit about what is the Christ consciousness and what is that that you and the pontiff share on those thoughts? Rick, excellent question. The reason I don't think Pope Francis would be able to define the way I'm going to share with you some thought about the Christ consciousness, but what he can do is he's able to tell the story of Jesus of Nazareth out of the four Gospels. He's able to identify that Jesus taught a value system. He taught a hierarchy of values. He had a particular love of the marginalized. Pope Francis, the reason why many people, not only my, but myself, have been so overwhelmingly excited about his leadership, is he is a man who identified so deeply with the story of following the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. So the Christ consciousness is that as he reads the story of Jesus, Jesus is conscious of the basic needs of all the people he meets, whether that need be of hunger, whether that need be of thirst, whether that need be of brokenness of heart. Jesus is well aware of how people are suffering as he walks. And as the stories come down to us, as we enter the Christ consciousness, we are aware not only of our own needs, but more deeply aware of the needs of others. And those needs need to be responded to. And as a disciple of Christ, we are to respond to the needs. And as we engage people, as we be more compassionate, and this is where Francis ultimately not only talks the talk, but walks the walk, he has shown so many ways of how to be compassionate to the brokenhearted, the marginalized, the poor, the refugee, the displaced, the sick, the ill. Francis, Pope Francis, is a disciple of Christ, who I'm certain, if we shared a conversation, would understand the Christ consciousness. I follow him on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? No. Oh, good. Because <laughs> some of the things I say... <laughs> uh, maybe one day I will be on Twitter, but not currently. Uh, I get a little riled up when I get on Twitter. <laughs> Good. Um, so, so there's a couple things that have been 
kind of crossing my mind as I as I watch a lot of the tweets that Pope Francis puts out there really reference Jesus. Yes. Yes. And I, I've sent a couple to you over the last week, but um, this morning he tweeted, Jesus experienced total abandonment in yeah. a situation he had never before experienced in order to be one with us in everything. He did it for me, for you, to say to us, do not be afraid, you are not alone. I experienced all your desolation in order to be ever close to you. Yes, that's Christ consciousness. Does that exclude some people who don't have a connection with Jesus? Or does not, it not at all. I think what he's saying there is he he's using the narrative of Jesus, but what he's just described of the emotion is universal. So what I what I mean by that, it doesn't exclude but includes. So every one of us has to have a, a narrative of some kind. So Pope Francis uses the narrative of Jesus as the uber human, as the one who epitomizes all that is human. And as he enters the human Jesus story, it's not to disconnect anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus as the Christ, but it's to help all to believe in Jesus who shows us the fullness of humanity. You don't have to believe that Jesus is the Savior. What he's trying to convey there is look at this figure in human history and see in this first century Palestinian Jew some trait that you can easily identify within your own heart and within your own spiritual rumblings. That's what Francis is always trying to do. What's rumbling, what's storming in your heart? This Jesus, first century Palestinian Jew, experienced likewise. In fact, today on Palm Sunday, in this longest proclamation of the Gospel of Matthew, we use the Aramaic words, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hmm. It's a telling moment in the Passion narrative when Jesus is uttering his final words, the final words. So in these times of pandemic, when so many people are feeling that desolation, that despair, that abandonment, what he is saying is there is a story here that may bring comfort to your feelings because the story doesn't end in despair, desolation. It ends with the rainbow of Easter. He's taking people now, this is the Holy Week, he's taking people to the story's brightness eventually. Not in the moment, eventually the story gets brighter. That makes sense. 
Great. I'd like to take a pause here because we only have about three minutes before we're going to get cut off. <clears throat> so what I'm going to suggest is that maybe uh, we'll end this call and Mitch will email us another link for the next segment, which will be 40 minutes long. In that segment, I'd like to start off, if Madeline is okay with this, and Anthony, if you're okay with this, your connection with Rabbi Sorkoff. Um, Skorka. Skorka, because of his relationship with Pope Francis. Um, I think it'll tie nicely into the fact that this is commun- a, re- a, a spiritual community that's stepping outside its individual boundaries. And then I think that can open up very nicely into some of the thoughts around David Brooks and total empathy and his Weaver thoughts. MYB Cast is produced and engineered by Mitch Lieber, recorded at Beef Machine Studios. MYB Cast is sponsored by Mind Your Body, a somatic movement therapy, yoga therapy, and meditation clinic located in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. For more information, contact us at mindyourbody.us.